Hello and welcome to Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today on the show I've got a great chat coming up with Dan Walsh, who a lot of people in Cork might know him. Um, he used to be the drummer in Elastic Sleep, which is probably how I first uh, kind of got to know him. And you might also know him as kind of the general jazz guy around town. He's responsible for putting on a load of shows, um, mostly upstairs in the roundy, a regular jazz night. And like, fair play to him, first of all, for doing that. We kind of get into that. We kind of talk about, you know, just, oh, something isn't there. Let's go make something and put it there. Like there was no jazz night. And now there's a there was there is a regular jazz night. So we get into all that. He's also the drummer in Great Balloon Race, who are one of my favourite and most underrated Irish bands around. Uh, I think they're great. They're gearing up to release their second album. You should check out their first album, Cardboard, which is out on Bandcamp. Yeah, it's been out for a few years, so you can check it and uh, download it from Bandcamp. He also, and this is something that we actually didn't get into in the 45-minute chat or so that's coming up, he's also a music producer, so he's uh, recorded a couple of artists too, and he seems to be getting more into that side of things. But uh, the main reason why I'm interviewing him is because uh, just at the start of September, he put up two new releases under the... Under the uh, Nom de plume, is that the right word? Of Fixity, which is F-I-X-I-T-Y. So fixity.bandcamp.com. You go there and you will find an album, which is called Fixity 2, and an EP, three songs, which is called Live in What Used to Be a Church. So uh, the Live in What Used to Be a Church, that is, as you may have guessed, a live EP of three songs, which were performed at the start of June on the altar of St. Luke's in uh, Cork. It was part of the launch night for three releases on the Cant Cope label. You might remember that Breed talked to Roz Steer at the start of the year and she mentioned that she had a tape coming out on Cant Cope. And there's another couple of releases there as well. So cantcope.bandcamp.com. So that's K-A-N-T cope.bandcamp.com you get um, Fixity's debut album from there so that's it I think that that's all that you really need to know going into the interview it was looking for quiet places when I don't when I don't record the podcast in my house or in somebody else's house then it becomes a bit of a problem so you're looking constantly for quiet places mainly around Cork where you can uh, just talk for 45 minutes and know that you won't be disturbed and that there won't be a lot of outside noise. So I thought that I picked a good place. You know, we'll go outside um, outside in Gulped. Outside at Gulped. And well, what a bad decision that was. It started raining on us. There was, uh, you know, the kind of the fountain in Peace Park was kind of going too. So yeah, the sound... Hopefully it's good. Um, hopefully you won't be tweeting me or meeting me in person and going, what are you doing to my eardrums? So thanks, I guess, to Steve McAvoy for mastering the podcast and making it legible both for me and hopefully for you too. So that's it. This is 
Dan, oh yeah, well, I guess I better do the business side of things. I mean, if you're listening to it, you probably already know, but the podcast, if you just search for the point of everything in iTunes or Podcast Republic or anything that you use to listen to um, podcasts on, it's on SoundCloud too, like it's it's there. And if you want to get in contact, you can email me at thepointofeverything at gmail.com or you can tweet me at tboe blog you can also facebook me you can follow and if you want to oh i don't know tell a friend that oh this guy has a podcast which isn't the worst thing in the world well that would mean the world to me so that's it consider this intro over well not quite yet this is dan walsh and myself having a chat outside at gulped at the start of september in the rain uh so congrats on the two album releases that you've put up this week as i'm talking to you on uh fixity.bandcamp.com uh fixity 2 and what's, what's the second one called um live, live in what used to be a church i mean that's pretty self-evident recorded in saint luke's at the start of the summer so what made you just decide had you had them kind of done for a while and you were just like I just have to put these out in the world rather than kind of forget about them um, yeah like the Live in What Used to Be a Church was recorded the day after Fixity album launch so when we when I put out that the tape on Can't Cope first Fixity album um, it was like a triple album launch with Rosalind Steer and Kevin Terry and then the next day we went into the church and recorded those live recordings. So that was new material that I'd written just at the prospect of having a band together to play. And then once everybody's together, it's just a matter of doing a take of each, you know. So it was, we, we just did like, went in the next day, did one take of everything and then just get it kind of, I just like to be productive like that. Once everybody's in the same place, that's half the battle. And then once the music's together, you know, you can just get it, get it together pretty pretty quick because it's it's such like it relies on improvisers to be there and like have fresh ears to the music. So that was like that was done within a week of putting out the first tape and then Fixity Two. I kind of had been working on that intermittently over the last kind of couple of months, and uh, they were just ready. So yeah, it was just a matter of them being ready to go. And I was ready, so it wasn't really a big, big thing about like I wasn't getting too impatient or anything. I just wanted to kind of just sign them off and just like move on, you know. You didn't want to do a physical release or anything like that, like you did with um, the first Fixity album, which was released on Can Cope on cassette. Not for these ones, um, because yeah, I suppose because of time and. I've got something else coming out soon, so I didn't want to leave it too long, to um, so that it wouldn't be like crowded or just you know just like um, just to kind of have it so that I'm not stuff isn't piling up behind me, you know, because if that happened, then there's a chance that like I stop, you know, I'd stop like relating to it or whatever, you know, and it's just like once time moves on, you got to keep go with it, like kind of you know. You mentioned improvisation and that was that was something that I wanted to talk to you about like it seems like it's a big part of your musical output like when did you kind of st- like 
have you always just been able just jamming and stuff like is it just a natural thing and when did you decide like we can play this to people and we you know it will be good and people will enjoy it and and we'll start recording it as well um i think like the first thing anybody does when they pick up an instrument is improvise you know so like the, you pick up a guitar if you're a guitar player and you just like kind of you might come up with something before you start playing a tune you know so it's kind of it's an inherent thing that everybody does anyway it's just part of everybody's practice but i just my interest in jazz and my interest in like which led me to like the wider scope of improvised music at large the idea of being able to like be uh represent yourself as an individual using real time composition you know so like you're just coming up with things right then and there and it you know the closer you can like the smaller the gap is between your thoughts and what comes out then like the more the more kind of to me the more honest it feels so it's kind of just like it's a gradual process of closing that gap between like like when you speak you know your thoughts kind of come out like you can talk and you you know your language and you can use that language very quickly um it comes out in a certain way and it sounds like you you know it sounds like your voice it's your vocabulary your words that you're using so it's just like trying to be honest you know trying to like retain honesty in the like parameters of y- your practice you know so it's it's kind of that's that's why that's such a big part of what i'm doing cuz like it's really like it's it's kind of like if honesty if pe- different people's varieties of honesty can interact and like a collective like and then the collective comes out with music then like that's a very special thing very meaningful thing to me like just in a world where like trying to be yourself can be you know quite daunting mm. you know you can set up these um set up these interactions where everybody knows that they can and then it's just like what what comes out of everybody when that happens is very beautiful like you know so i guess you've got like a really long list of collaborators as well that you've worked with like down the years is it kind of difficult initially trying to get them on board with what you want and like uh, and then once it happens is it just is it just like you know they're like almost another arm of you um, they're they're always their own arms <laughs> so it's never really i don't want it to be about uh if i'm like even if i'm composing music for improvisers i don't want it to be about me i want it to be like about everybody being allowed to do what they do so i'll only ever ask someone to do something if i know that w- number one i can i i can like fully trust in them like musically and like know that they are confident enough to bring forth like what i know that they can do and and i think like i work on like how i ask people so that they know that when i'm asking them to do something it's because of them and it's not because of me so in order to be able to do that like i have to put a lot of thought into it first and like make sure i know that people trust me and like that i'm that i'm like you know there's a certain amount of kindness that it takes in order to be able to like to facilitate those kind of things that where, where people feel comfortable enough to actually just freely you know speak through their instruments like you know so asking people is something that i've been doing for years 
um, in diff- like running the improvised music night here and running like the Blue Note jazz thing for the last six years, like just getting, you know, asking people to do what they do. Um, so I feel like, I feel like it's w- once you ask someone to be the, what like to do what they do, then they know that you you actually like that you need them and not just someone else, you know. So once it's a person, once you make a personal connection, it's kind of easier because like it's uh, it's welcoming. It has to be welcoming because if I I just don't want to tell anybody what to do, you know. I really don't like. And. So, like with with those um, two nights that you mentioned, the the jazz night and the improvised music night in uh, Gulped every every month, isn't it? Every Thursday. Every Thursday. Um, like, was that just a case of they they weren't really a thing before? Like, were you just kind of like, well, if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to do it? Yeah, that's exactly it. Kind of. Um, I was because like I ha- I was like developing really heavy interest in jazz and. For a couple of years, I was wondering why no one else was. I was like, "Oh, there's no gig for me to go to to see this music that I love." And then, and then I realized that if you are complaining about something like that, then it's not a complaint. It's actually just an idea that you haven't understood yet. You know. So if someone is going like, "Oh, this thing isn't happening in in my city where I live," then it's their responsibility to take it on and to to develop that and um rather than like giving out about it you can actually just stand up and organize it because if you know because if you're the one wondering why it isn't there and you're wondering like all the time why it isn't there then it probably is your responsibility you know and like it was kind of out of necessity so that i could get to put in into practice all these things that i was thinking about and all this repertoire that I wanted to deal with and learn and like over the six years of Blue Note we played hundreds and hundreds of original jazz tunes like 10 tunes every month 10 brand new tunes every month so working through repertoire with different musicians and then it was a similar predicament with the Improvised Music Club here I was like really interested in improvisation from like being exposed to it when I was in like just through studying jazz and like different people kind of like presenting it in in like UCC and people talking about things like that because I did a great degree there um, people like Hannah Earl Park and then like contemporaries of mine good friends of mine like Kevin Terry and people like that who like have a really heavy understanding of improvisation and like we've talked about it so much over the years and then I was again wondering why it wasn't happening and then realized that I had to, I suppose, if I'm, you know, I learned from the Blue Note, if I was wondering for ages why it wasn't happening, then I got to do it, like, um, and it's kind of just grown now over the last few years. It's been going for three years, and now it's a weekly thing, and now the residencies are different every month, so it, it gives, gives people a chance to develop something new over four weeks of a residency that might continue, might not continue, but that's the beauty of it, you know, it's it's real-time creation, and, like, if it's if it ends when it's done it's that's it you know and so was it um like like you were kind of playing every month with the improvised music yeah. night in gulped and so like you're you're kind of not doing that anymore and so like was it was it kind of weird like the first night that you uh that you sat down and you're actually watching the others and you're like oh i want to be up there or was it more like uh 
well, I don't want to be up there, you know, I'm happy just to, just to watch it. Um, it was great to be able to sit down and watch it. Um, the first one was like Brendan Reardon, Rosalind Steer and Soul of Kelly. And it was so cool to just be walking into the gig and just like sit down and enjoy it. Because for years I'd kind of put myself in to like, yeah, I'd been there playing every time once a month. And then now I feel like there's de there's just so many people that are capable of like leading that, you know. And it's great to be able to hand o hand it over for a month at a time to to friends and like people around who are just doing things and who are totally like totally capable improvisers and musicians and like just to be able to hand it over is is really really good and like I can just go and see some improvised music gigs in Cork now where people are coming up with stuff and like the audience is experiencing it at the same time as the musicians you know and because you know there like there has there's been different there was like Stet Lab years ago in Cork and that was a different vibe again it was in the Roundy and that was that was an improvised music night that went for a good while and like cultivated cultivated a lot um, but just having somewhere like Gulped to do it is very like we're, we're all very lucky like because it's a very welcoming environment and you can take some chances here that you wouldn't be able to take somewhere else because yeah. they trust you with it you know and is is it kind of like playing matchmaker or something? You know, like do you like is it that your friends would get on to you and say like, oh yeah, I'll 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 do that sometime, and you're like, hmm, I'd like to see you know Roz play with Reardon, play with Sullivan, or is it just kind of like you're just picking three names at random or four names at random? So what I'm doing now is I'm handing it over to one person to decide. Um, so I that month I asked Brendan, I was like, so you can. I've got this residency for you and choose two musicians um, and he chose two people that he'd never played with before that he had you know this respect for and he knew he felt like he knew that they could make some music and it was he was right you know yeah. so and then recently I had, like I asked Josh Sampson Sampson to look after it and he chose a great band like Artie Posey Dave Mahuna and himself to look after the residency that month so it's kind of giving giving everybody the opportunity to kind of lead um lead the improvisations or lead the the band which can sometimes be something as basic as just telling everybody to turn up the same place you know and then what's after that then is a collective exercise you know so they don't necessarily need to be leading the music they're just leading the like the the setup of of the atmosphere and just like uh, uh, you know because I was, I was, I had taken that responsibility on myself to do that all all the time, and it, it's, it's quite quite a lot to think about you know, when you're dealing with a lot of people, and like I don't need to be the person that's doing it. You know, there's everybody else can chip in, and it's really nice to know that that is the case. You know. Yeah. And so, like, is it just? for the night that you know that band is playing the improvised music you know that's the only time that you're going to hear the music or have you got like a huge amount of recordings on your computer that you're like what, what will I do with all this yes so I'm I'm recording the last night of each residency um, two sets and there is kind of a backlog of those now that I'm working on that I'm mixing um, and they'll be out they'll come out soon um, so there's different groups that have done the residencies over the last few months and like 
Um, this month, it's Michael Creed, Neil Quigley, and Dan O'Connell, and Wayne Dunley on drums. And so I'll record the last month of that. And there, there will be a backlog. Like I'm catching up with myself with it yeah. because they're really long. They're an hour a piece, or two hours a piece. And uh, just in order to get those together and choose the right way of presenting them, so that it's a document of what's happening right now here. Um, because if I spend a long time playing improvised music and not documenting it, and I think maybe I had to do that in order to to just like develop it. And now I feel like it is worth recording and it is worth documenting. And like you know, it's people people need to know what's happening and like have access to 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 this music and be able to find it. You know, because like I find music from improvisers like in places that I've never been and might not been to and I find it online and it blows my mind and I won't know who these people are I don't know who they are but it's just like beautiful music that I know only happened once you know and there's something very special about that but there's also something very special about not recording it because you know that you are just there then and the audience is just there then and then after that it's done and you've shared an experience you know and so how does that all compare to being in the studio? Because like, I know a lot, of, a lot of musicians and music fans in Cork will know you or recognize you around. Like you've been in, in tons of bands down the years and like just with Fixity, um, you know, you play all the instruments and everything. Um, so like, is it just nice going into the studio and doing all that stuff yourself? Or are you kind of like, I prefer, you know, just and you know give this person a saxophone give this person the the drums give this person something else yeah it was kind of a learning curve for me to to actually do it alone so i most of my like most of my musical life so far i've been just completely enamored with the idea of like the collective effort and everybody like music is one of the only times that everybody can agree like five people can agree on something for like four or five minutes at a time and I think that's incredibly beautiful you know and like you wouldn't even get that in a conversation between five people most of the time you know and if they, if that support is there between people then like that's something that really like has spurred me on for a long time and that I've looked for so in order to be able it's it in order to be able to like compose myself um, was quite a learning curve and something that I kind of had to let happen and like with Fixity some of the like there there is stuff that's just me and then but it's not my primary concern for it to be just me you know I'm the, re the reason I made these recordings was for initially was to be able to translate them to musicians for improvisations you know um, because even in the recordings that I'm playing on on my own and playing like the different instruments playing guitar bass drums keys sax whatever i like it's like an imaginary band you know of like the people that aren't available to yeah. do it yeah. that, and i didn't want it to stop me getting work done yeah. stop me like from valuing my ideas or whatever um so like my primary concern is actually exploring the music of fixity with an ensemble, you know, with different bands, with different improvisers. Um, and like, I, 
it's when I can get when I get a band together and I'm playing this music it feels like a huge luxury it feels very like I'm I'm really happy that people are, can like put themselves into it you know that it, it's it's always my main concern is to get a band to create something unique because like I can I can do that yeah but it's all my perspective on all those different instruments you know it's not I wouldn't value it less but it's different from me you know it's less it's it's kind of more it's very personal and then like the other thing with an ensemble is a shared experience you know so there are two different entities altogether but it's it, I find that the only way I can compose is to improvise because that's what I've worked on and I don't really like sitting down with a pen and paper or just sitting down and like setting really really specific parameters like I, I keep everything really loose so that the music can keep developing you know um, and in order to be able to present it to improvisers you have to allow room for those musicians you know to make decisions like and I'm like I'll, I'll just give very little information to people about the compositions when we're playing them together just like melodies chords basic structures different ways of interacting with them and then that that allows for people to like really put a personal personal input into it that that's kind of the thing that I value more but I really really like I've become I've, I've started to really really like recording like on my own as well just because it feels good to get work done you know and like most people would know you as a drummer but it sounds like you've really kind of pushed yourself just to learn different instruments like um was, is that only something that you've kind of done recently like you mentioned the clarinet earlier and stuff like is that just something like i wonder if i'd be any good at that um i've been very fortunate over the last like i don't know how many years in that like a lot of my friends will just leave instruments with me <laughs> and uh, yeah and i can often have a drum kit set up in my house and guitar is my first instrument i learned guitar started learning guitar when i was like 12 so but I just didn't really feel it for a long time. Um, and then I, yeah, I like getting the perspective of another instrument. Um, like I think in drums, drums is my first language, but English, yeah, yeah. And then like I started playing a lot of bass when like Grave Lanterns <laughs> happened and that was, that was a real eye opener because like it's another perspective on the rhythm section the, the interaction between the drums and bass is something very like very mysterious and interesting like so that gave me a new perspective and then like guitar kind of fills in the gaps between drums and bass for me or like between melody and bass and between drums and melody it's like this the idea of harmony is kind of like something that I use to fill in gaps um and then with the sax, like again, someone like a few months ago, basically my friend Tom, I expressed a vague interest in learning soprano sax. And next time I saw him, he had one in the back of the car for me, which was amazing. And now I play like every day and I love it. And like I've been actively listening to saxophone since I was about 14 every day, just being completely like obsessed with John Coltrane and Ornette Coleman, people like that and the fact that you just have melody like you can't play chords on a saxophone like you strictly strictly not anyway but like 
that's something that's really like give me a new perspective again so i just i like i i'm pretty hungry to learn you know like learning is the thing that i want the most like i just want to grow and just like have more tools at my disposal to be like comfortable in this world i suppose yeah. you know so like the more i can learn about music which is the thing that i use to teach me about like existence and life then like that's going to help me you know so it's kind of more like that than like trying to like just learn a lot, a lot of different instruments like i don't really think about it. i'm i'm kind of just like learning music you know um and there's different physical tools that you can use to make music sounds so it's nice to have access to them and to be able to kind of like figure out different quirks and different things and have different perspectives like i guess the thing is like where where does it end though you know i mean like are you just going to be constantly looking for like new instruments and you know mad things that no one else has ever heard of and like you know all of that stuff you know like i'm trying to think of i can't think of what it's called the um the stuff from java you know the kind of the orchestra gamelan, gamelan yeah. yeah um yeah. like is that kind of the next you know oh, i'd like yeah. i'd like to have a gamelan at my disposal yeah. um I don't I don't think I'll venture too far like in that kind of way. Um I did I did uh I did like have spent some time uh with the gamelan when I was doing my degree and like that was an eye opener like that gave me more perspective again, you know, but I wasn't particularly attracted to it. Um but like something like sitar really blew my mind and really opened up my like conception of like the relationship between rhythm and melody and vice versa and i had a chance to study that in ucc2 and that really helped um because f- like w- as a drummer you're dealing mainly with rhythm but to be able to suggest more than rhythm using like rhythm as a tool was something that i couldn't really grasp from drums on their own even though i like listen to people that are totally able to do that and I was trying to like you know figure it out from that but like just having the perspective of another of another instrument let me do that so you really have to kind of like be attracted to the sound of an instrument rather than attracted to the fact that it's foreign or the fact that it's like might be strange you know like I like having a having a good grasp over the instrument's personality itself and like i feel like i feel a connection with the saxophone i feel a connection with the drums i feel a connection with the bass i feel a connection with the guitar because of the things that i surround myself with and the thing the music that i'm like seeking often like that i can kind of understand that like draws me in often uses those things you know um and like keyboard i don't really feel a connection with as such um because I feel like it's quite a dominating instrument you can play 10 notes at the same time and that kind of freaks me out. So I I I'm I can't play the keyboard and I I'm not particularly attracted to it because I know like this this little hang up in my head about it being like a dominating instrument yeah. isn't something that I got gotten past yet. So it's kind of just like a it's like a yeah, I just like the sound of the saxophone is something that I can relate to and the sound of the drums is something I can relate to like in my core. So it's it's interesting to explore those but just it's not about it's not about like voicing the music through weird instruments to get it to sound strange it's more about like feeling like that is the appropriate um 
way of getting this note out at any given time and like the recordings of me playing on my own are just the instruments I have at my disposal and like that music will be explored with different instruments but it'll be you know it might be a horn section and like a couple of bass players and a couple of guitar players if, if it's getting bigger it wouldn't really be like a traditional Javanese ensemble or it wouldn't be like a symphony orchestra or something like that it's like because the stuff that I feel a relationship with is bands you know like rock and roll bands and like jazz groups who are like you know a team of a small group of individuals trying to achieve something that they can't in any other way um, rather than like a formal structured kind of like orchestra setup or like a traditional uh, a traditional ensemble I don't feel like I like it's like if I tried to explore this music with like a straight up jazz quartet I'd feel like a liar also you know because yeah. it, it's not I couldn't do that really it wouldn't really feel too good because it's it's not really where I'm at you know how did you kind of get into jazz because uh, you know not not many young people would uh, would be talk you know say like oh I'm a massive jazz fan and stuff I mean you mentioned rock and roll there as well like was there one that you were in before and like how did it kind of how did it start um, I suppose I like bef- yeah before before jazz I was listening to a lot of blues because I played the guitar and like blues is something that is like your first point call for guitar like it's really soaked like the guitar the history of the guitar is soaked in the blues you know like people like John Lee Hooker and people like early stuff that I was exposed to like like my old man gave me Rory Gallery CD and it was one of the first CDs I ever owned and those guys were going nuts you know it was a live live in Europe and they were going nuts and they were like doing whatever they felt like doing at any given time and then a bit after that I heard John Coltrane like playing with his quartet with Elvin Jones and McCoy Tyner and Jimmy Garrison and that completely changed my life and it hasn't like I see that as the beginning of my conscious life like no no shit I really mean that it's mad it, like it feels really heavy and it's a heavy thing to say but like before hearing John Coltrane I was different and so it, like when I was about 14 or something I don't know uh, that's what happened and then I realized that like there was a lot more to music than the mechanics and that it was like I suppose I understand it more now at the time I felt like I didn't know why it was so heavy to me but now I realize that it's like it's a spiritual activity you know and it's something that is like far more meaningful than than just notes or just like complexity of like chords or like something being impressive or fast or like stylistically perfect or something like that it's actually it's about like personal and collective journeys you know and people achieving things that they can't otherwise you know it's a really unique medium like music begins in the abstract it it like when you hear music you think music you don't think oh it sounds like something in the world it's not representing something in the world it's representing like what it is you know and like when it's music that involves improvisation heavily 
something people are very free and like the freedom of expression is something that like has always really hit me even though I didn't know what it what it was when it was initially hitting me so it's less about jazz and more about people being able to have a voice of their own for whatever means like there's been different reasons for people to really fight for that over the last hundred years and like most of the time it's been because they felt like they were being imposed upon like or like they, these rules were being implemented that they couldn't um, express themselves within and then they had to break out of those in a different way like if you're talking about punk if you're talking about bebop or like for the last like I don't know it stretches back like people use music as a form of rebellion but it's rebel it's a rebellion against constriction rather than a rebellion against like sometimes anything literal it's actually just like a very conceptual re rebellion that ends up being something really really important to the growth of a life you know so yeah like it being a spiritual activity something i learned from john coltrane and that 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 just changed everything and it still does like i listen to him every day and it still freaks me out and i still like feel like it's like vitamins you know yeah. and like all of all of the jazz releases that you know they're kind of like re-released i think i saw that M miles davis has a new album out like now or something like that i d I, I didn't really follow it up you know yeah. but like like they're all kind of like you know demo recordings or you know kind of stuff like that like would you still listen to them and would you be like you know that's almost like improvisation and stuff like you just gobble up like everything that they would they would have um put to tape um initially like what was happening when i was finding the music was junk like so i started at john coltrane and then found out that just went into like Virgin Megastores and like looking at the back of the CDs and like, all right, Miles Davis has played with John Coltrane, so I better check out Miles Davis. And then it's like, oh, Wayne Shorter played with Miles Davis. What's he like? You know, he plays tenor sax, so does John Coltrane. And what's the difference between the two of them? And like their style of improvisation is wildly different. So it just it straight away just blows everything open like so you know that jazz is not a style it's actually a means of of um creating something it's it's not like a genre of music it's an approach you know so like yeah like when i and then you just use your taste to navigate that so like the things that i was more attracted to were the things that had like like i really like just straight up swinging straight ahead jazz you know, and I really like free jazz and I really like all these different things and it's it's because all because of the same qualities in, in the people, you know, I'm listening for the people like and if they're really good at being themselves, then that's what I'm drawn to. So like Yeah, and yeah, it's just a it's a great tradition in that it allows you to follow that kind of family tree thing where you're like these two people play together I must like him because if they play together, then like they've got something going on, you know. And then the personal relationships you learn about those later, and it's just like sends you off in this huge, yeah. huge like path, you know. To and eventually you get to Louis Armstrong if you go back, or else you get to now, 
you know, and you get hopefully to yourself, you know, if you go forward. Yeah. Uh, do you listen to much modern jazz? Like the big, the big guy who I who I would know would be Kamasi Washington. Like, do you listen to him or other other guys? Um, I, I like I I, I did go to listen to Kamasi Washington, and I I feel like I need more time to like just chill out about it. So before I can enjoy it, because it feels like it. I mean, this is quite. This is just my opinion, <laughs> but I think, like, what he seems to be doing is pretty retro. Like, it, it's kind of like a retro buzz, like seventies kind of, um, like the sounds and the the ideas. Like, it's kind of like coming out of a lot of stuff that I listen to as well. And like right now, I prefer the records that I have that he probably has too you know yeah. then I don't know yeah I just wasn't feeling it but I know he's a badass sax player and like I listen to Flying Lotus like an awful lot and like the stuff Kamazi Washington does on his records it blows my mind like I love it he's got a great command over the horn and it's just like yeah so like in terms of modern jazz I'm, like I'm not at the moment I'm not listening to a whole lot of contemporary like jazz music other than there's some Scandinavian artists like The Thing. Um, there's some amazing trio, like baritone sax, drums and bass, and they're, they're like, I mean, to call them jazz is kind of like a little bit feels weird because they they just like rock really hard and improvise real aggressive and like, yeah, I think like to call yourself a jazz artist now is actually problematic. So that's kind of more what I think about it than, than like my taste. Like my taste doesn't really matter. But I think calling yourself a jazz artist in the world right now is is kind of a strange thing to do. Yeah. Um. Just bring it all back to to modern times and uh, Cork at the moment. Like uh, I remember that you did an interview. I think it was with Emer for We Play Here Too. And like the, the kind of the the main quote that dragged me was just like. Uh, that you feel like a big affinity for Great Balloon Race at that time, mm. rather than like some of the other stuff that you're doing. Uh, what is the state of play with the new Great Balloon Race album? Uh, it's been like three years or something since the first one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 2012. 2012. So yeah, just just an update yeah. on Great Balloon yeah. Race. Yeah, we'll we have our second album, Gently Gently. It's in the can, and it's mastered, and it's ready to go. And it'll be out soon. Cool. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Um, it also feels like, I don't know, maybe it's just me getting cynical as I've just gotten, you know, like a couple of years older, but it feels like I was more optimistic about Cork, you know, back at the release of We Play Here than I am now. I don't know if you feel the same. Like, do you feel like, you know, just the pav closing and then reopening and closing again? And it seems like other venues have closed as well. Um, do you feel like uh, it was not that it was you know better three years ago or something, but like Cork just needs a bit of a shot in the arm, or it needs you know like new new blood or something like that? I don't I don't know really how to express it, but I don't know if you have any thoughts. Um, I don't really feel like that. Yeah. I I've I've kind of like I don't think it's venues' responsibilities for people to make music. I think like the gratification is in the doing and. I think people who really need to do it will always be doing it. And like, 
I think the Pav closing taught me that because I was really involved over there. I was playing over there a lot, and when it closed, I was like, "All right, well, like, what what am I going to do? Like, let that stop me, you know, or am I just going to continue? Because that's what I want to do, you know. And like, I think like cities change. A lot of different things are happening right now that than they were a few years ago. And if the same stuff was happening that was happening a few years ago, like that would be ridiculous you know I think there's less venues of that size like at our disposal but I don't really feel too bad about that yeah. I like playing in small rooms I like getting work done and just like communicating like right to people like straight like in gulps like when you're playing gulp everybody's in the front row no matter where they are in the room and like that's amazing to me and like people like Jimmy are really helping out all the time and like yeah I, I think I think like everybody's getting a lot of work done that really wants to you know and like you have to constantly be pushing yourself you can't be relying on like the idea of a scene to do anything for you like it's not and like if people say there's a great scene in your city and you think that that's going to help you then like you're wasting your time you know um, it's not about that stuff you know I think it is like more the responsibility of music journalism than it is the responsibility of musicians to like unify those ideas and like kind of like try and like apply these personalities to cities you know because like on the ground everybody's doing like everybody's putting their their work into like their own lives you know and sometimes it comes across that like oh all these people are like working together and this is this is like a, a scene that's like flourishing you know but you don't know what's happening in private you know yeah. and it's it's not something that can be pinpointed I think like this is a very productive place there's a lot of people making a lot of art in this town and that's it's it's beautiful like um, but I, I think maybe a few years ago it was a little bit better, better documented maybe yeah. but now Maybe it just doesn't need to be because everybody knows that it's happening anyway. Yeah, no, I, I knew as, as soon as I started talking, I was like, oh man, I'm going to sound like such a, such a cynic, like oh, such really a... <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I mean, I mentioned venues and I mentioned the PAV closing, but of course, uh, St. Luke's has opened in the past, like, I don't know, 18 months or so. And the album, or, or the um, kind of the live EP was recorded there live in what used to be a church. Um, what was it like playing in there? Uh, you were playing like on the altar, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. It felt really, really nice to use that room for something that wasn't uh, mass. <laughs> you know, that felt really like it felt really good to use that room for something that I could really like connect with. You know, and, and like it's you know it's kind of a joke, but that's actually it's pretty heavy too because like considering how beautiful those spaces are you know and like they have I mean each room has has a unique sound and if it's something on that grand a scale that was actually like built for like devotion to a higher cause it does rub off on you you know and then there's six seconds of reverb in there so it's a really long reverb in there which was you can't you can't escape from while you're playing especially something like drums it's which is an acoustic instrument, you're interacting with the room, you know. 
And if you're interacting with the room, you're interacting with all the hang-ups that that room has, whether they be like, um, kind of like foregone, like uh, philosophical hang-ups or like your own, like present personal philosophical hang-ups, you know, thinking about it in these ways because you're looking around and it's a church, you know, and like inviting, inviting people in to just enjoy something that was like, very real and very about now and about um, about like people working towards something that's going to benefit them directly personally or like benefit the growth of them personally rather than like standing up there and dictating something that kind of like felt good for me you know Um, it was a beautiful it's a beautiful room to play music in it has a real personality and like I'm, I've, I see it as a real luxury to be to have been able to record in there so shout out to Joe Kelly for letting me do that good man um, I won't keep you much longer uh, I guess a very well it seems like a simple question like uh, wh- what are you up to next either like today or like with Fixity or with uh, whatever other projects you're, you're working on um, next is a double LP um on Penske recordings of uh, Fixity that was recorded in February in Malmo in Sweden with three Swedish improvisers um, Emil Nurstrand on tenor sax Neil Sanderson on guitar and Friedrich Persson on bass and and me um, on drums yeah Um, so that's quartet recording guitar, bass, drums and sax and um, that'll be out later this year it's a full length double LP um, so just getting the final details of that together this week pretty much and um, yeah so that's what's happening next it's a pretty big deal for me I'm going to enjoy it well thanks for chatting I hope uh, it's a nice atmosphere out here you know, waterfall in the back it's nice <laughs> like hope <laughs>